Heather Hilda Darling here on Let's Talk Property. Now, you met my guest last month, Shah Eid, and Shah is from Shah Bok Designs, and I'm very pleased to have him back today. He's sitting comfortably in a kitchen, which is very appropriate because, of course, we're talking about kitchens. Just remind us of who you are in 60 seconds, because people may be tuning in today that didn't hear your last guest appearance. So my name is Char and I'm an interior architect and designer. I've got all my credentials and I've got my business, which is Charbox Designs. And the goal of the business is to blend different disciplines of design, which is interior and architectural design, urban and public space design and product and furniture design. We believe in creativity and innovation and getting the perfect tailored solution for the client. That's your minute up. You did very well there with all those services and skills <laughs> that you have. <laughs> so tell me, why kitchens? Well, we eat to live, don't we? It's, it makes sense that kitchens should be one of the most important focal points of a house, especially in our days with open plans and the kitchens being integrated with living spaces. They've, they've become social center points, not just dining areas or breakfast areas. Back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, they used to be seen as cooking areas. But yeah, now they're they're still cooking areas, obviously, but they're social as well. I remember those days, actually. I remember my mother didn't have a fitted kitchen for years and years and years. Yeah. Um, but I love that, that that you just said, social centre points. That's That's a nice word for a kitchen. I think you're absolutely right, because... Even me, I love being in the kitchen. And um, when I was younger, I used to go around to a friend's house. He's now my husband. And we always used to congregate in the kitchen because we were always making toast and tea and we would all congregate there. It was Ooh, lovely and warm. Yeah. yeah, so brilliant stuff. So you just said what makes a kitchen the heart of a home. It's the place where family and friends get together and mum's no longer stuck in the kitchen or dad or whoever stuck in the kitchen not being able to well, participate. Absolutely. Yes, definitely. But let's just think about this. Supposing you've had a kitchen for a long, long time and you decide you're going to refurbish or renovate. Where does one start? It's a good question. Where does one start to renovate a kitchen? Well, you want to you want to do some research first. You want to know exactly what your kitchen, not, not necessarily exactly, but you it's good to have a, a bit of a feel of what your kitchen could end up looking like what do you want it shaker modern it's good to start with a style the other important factor is the functionalities of the kitchen how would you like a kitchen to work what facilities do you want included in it what appliances kitchens are very intricate you you need to delve into at least the basics just so you get your head drowned of what you really need in a kitchen i would say Online research is is a good is a good way to start. Pinterest helps, but yeah, or, or going to your local showroom for for a uh, consultation. I mean, I do work with health kitchens here, and uh, we, we always get walk-ins and uh, booked consultations. And I'm, I I design all the kitchens for the company, so um, I, I do sit, sit with the client and bring them through a whole process of guidance so yeah and it's all free you know you clients don't pay for it until they actually buy the kitchen it's actually very scary trying to plan a kitchen 
for a start, if you haven't done a refurbishment or a renovation for a long, long time, you yeah. suddenly realize, my goodness, these drawers self-close. They almost self-open as well. And, <laughs> and I've got all these compartments. No, you laugh, but I've just been through the process myself three years ago. Yeah. And you know what? It was scary. I didn't know what I was looking for. I didn't know how the plan could look. I didn't know how much it was going to cost, how long it was going to take. What colour did I? I mean, you look at the colours now and you think, oh, my goodness, there's about 50 shades of grey. And, you know, there's <laughs> another 50 shades of white. And where do I go from here? Um, yeah, it's confusing, so, isn't it? So somebody who knows what they're talking about when it comes to a kitchen, is price usually people's main priority when they come and see you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that is a very massive point. Basically, it's a client's budget can either open up a lot of doors for design for them, a lot of opportunities for how good their kitchen could end up looking, or it could restrict the potential of their kitchen. Usually, 15 to 18 grand is good to start with. Anything less than that, obviously, you can still have a kitchen with that money, but you can't get too adventurous with that budget. Yeah, you have to think about colors. For example, you were talking about 50 shades of gray. If you're going to go with, with a very restricted budget, you've got to stick to stock colors that different manufacturers provide. You can't go bespoke because that's going to raise the price. Uh, so it's going to be stock colors, stock doors, some mid-end appliances, and um, yeah, just a regular slab door, for example. Whereas if you want to get more adventurous, you can get a very unique lavender door finish for a shaker door with brass handles. The beauty is in the details with these sorts of things. I love the way you say that lavender, yeah. because I actually live in a place called Lavender Cottage. Oh, really? And I, I actually got uh, my splashback was lavender. So I was very happy with that. I hadn't even thought about getting lavender cupboards, uh, which, you know, is, is something that perhaps I think you can get overfaced with it. And also on price, you're a bit worried because if you go in with a budget that you you think is is higher than you want to pay, I think very often the plan of the kitchen is more important than the budget because I, I remember, you know, in the in the olden days when we didn't used to have islands, but very often we'd have a kitchen table in the minute. You always seem to be walking around the kitchen table. Now, when kitchen planners work out a kitchen plan, they work in, is it triangles? And you work out spaces between appliances, etc. The triangle is a classic one. It's, uh, you know, they, they teach it to architects, interior designers and kitchen designers. It's a good rule of thumb to start with, but it doesn't apply to every space. Sometimes you could have the hub, the sink, the fridge on the, on the same run. It doesn't need to be in that triangle. But I would say as a rule of thumb, don't stick with the triangle, stick with the distances. It's good to have them in proximity with each other, not too far, not have, for example, the fridge on one, on one end of the room and the hub at the complete opposite end. It's, it's good to have them close to each other, but if you stick to a triangle, it's going to restrict your creative design process. Yeah, as long as, you've, as they're close to each other, you've got good circulation in the kitchen, it'll be fine. Of course, in uh, Brighton and Hove, there are a lot of old properties that are being converted into integral kitchens, mm. open plan uh, reception rooms. So if you've got a galley kitchen or one at the end, you would 
presumably approach that in a totally different way than you would if you had uh, a kitchen on its own. Oh, yeah, definitely. 100%. And uh, what's the smallest kitchen you've ever been asked to design? There's a very tiny one uh, I've designed with Help Kitchens. It was, I think it was last year. It was so tiny, we couldn't fit more units. And you had the stairs going into the kitchen. So, yeah, we, we literally... We just created a small storage space under that bulkhead. I think it had about five to six units. But yeah, we, we had to get very, very creative with the storage solutions to make it work. That must have been quite difficult. Yeah, I think it was only 1.5 meters wide. The length of it was probably about two and a half meters, maybe three at best. Are they are they more difficult to plan than the bigger kitchens? Oh, definitely. Big, big kitchens are, are like work, working on a blank canvas. There's just so much to do. You haven't got to worry about space management and all that because you can put a lot of cabinets in there and not worry about storage. But with, with the small ones, you really have to pick your brains and get very creative to find solutions that work for the client. Are you allowed to tell me the most expensive kitchen that you've ever designed? You don't have to give me any addresses or anything. What's the most expensive kitchen? That's a very good. Do you know what? Let me let me check on the software right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Interesting quotes. Oh dear, dear, dear. I know how expensive my kitchen was, honestly. It set me back a day. But you see, I've never had a, what I call a, a proper kitchen. It's always been you know, inherited or, um, yeah. and I decided this was going to be the last kitchen I was ever going to have. And I must say, I'm very happy with it, but. I'm, I'm looking at some prices, um, anywhere between the most expensive ones, they're about 45,000 to 60,000. I would say about 60,000 is the most expensive. I'm sure, I'm sure you can, you can go even higher than that. Yes. I've heard of stories of kitchens being 120 grand. They're probably the gold-plated taps, aren't they? What <laughs> recommendations would you give if the kitchen has very little natural light? Obviously, as properties have progressed over the years, a lot of properties I used to live in had the kitchen at the front of the property, yeah. whereas now people tend to prefer kitchens at the back so that the kitchen and the gardens all become one yeah. room and you can walk out and you can have your open air dining, etc. Well, if the garden's north facing, for example, and your kitchen is thereby very dark, how would you improve the lighting in a kitchen? If you're in a flat, there's not much you can do uh, except to, you know, add more lights. If you're in a house, hopefully freehold, you'll be able to, you know, create an extension towards the garden, even if you can't put any windows or any doors, have a skylight. Even if it's a north-facing house, you, you're going to get some light with a skylight. If you want to get even more creative, you can use a tubular skylights. Have you heard of them? Tubular skylights? Hey, yeah. I'm just getting used to LED lighting. <laughs> <laughs> So a tubular skylight, it's, it's it's a bit more complicated than just having a regular skylight. You've got like a semi-globe that is fixed on the roof. I'm trying to explain it in simple terms. And then you've got a tube full of mirrors that direct the sunlight down into the room. Uh, uh, they so sound very cool, actually. And, and do you look popular up... as it could be. Are they? And do you take care of the lighting in kitchens as well? Or do you have to yeah. bring in another expert? No, no, uh, I do everything. 
anybody can go down to the local store, can't they, and look at kitchens, the yeah. the made not the made to measure ones. You buy so many units, you buy a sink with a drainer, single drainer or double drainer, you buy a couple of taps. What do you think as a designer, a creative designer like yourself, can add to designing a kitchen that stands out from all the rest and makes people go, oh, wow. Definitely creativity. I'm not I'm not boasting, but I've got loads of it. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's one factor. I think the other factor is as a designer, it's good to listen. It's good to listen to the client because the client wants something that's personalized for them. What I tend to find, and, and that's that's what I implement in my own startup. I mean, a lot of clients, they, they get designers who just want to impose their ideas on them. But the reality of it is you're collaborating with the client to create a fantastic design for them that works for them because designers tend to go down this rabbit hole of creating the perfect design, but it doesn't have to be perfect. It's just, it just needs to be tailored and customized and personalized for that particular client because at the end of the day, it's their kitchen. It's not yours. It's theirs. So just listen. Mm. Even some, sometimes the client doesn't, doesn't know that their ideas, that the ideas they've got aren't as good good as they should be. And this is where the designer should come and improve on that idea and add more flavor to it. How many times will you design a plan or will you start out, you know, engaging with the client so that every step of the way they're agreeing before you go on to the next stage? So when you start adding, for example, uh, lighting, tiling, the fittings, they're, they're in agreement with you. So you don't come to the end and they go, well, I didn't ever say I wanted those tiles. Is, is yeah. that the way you progress the project? Yes and no. Uh, in most cases, I start with a proposal that I design myself based on, you know, sometimes the client knows what they want, sometimes they don't. But either way, I start with a proposal and add some things that they want. They see it, Sometimes they love it. They want to go ahead with it. Sometimes they want to change some things and add some things of their own. And that's where we, well, well, it's, I call it reverse engineering because, you know, <laughs> you've got that finished product, but you start to roll things back and change a few things. And uh, yeah, that's, that's basically, basically how I go around it. So initial proposal, do some changes, send a new proposal, could be second, third one, fourth one until it gets right. And yeah, and, and until they, they're happy with the final proposal that includes all the tiles, door finishes, taps, etc., then we go with the order. Uh, have there been many clients who suddenly perhaps been persuaded by family and friends they should go for something that they didn't really want and regretted? The design that they have at the end i mean hearing from what you're saying now about the projects and any changes but some people are led by others aren't they yes we have had two instances where clients were influenced by family and friends on the design yeah needless to say i did i stopped that influence i you know i've, I've I've put my expertise in and um, yeah, try to give them some sound judgment that maybe that's not the best approach. Sometimes I'm able to change their mind. Sometimes I'm able to blend in my own thoughts with their influenced ideas. I've never, I've never had any regret from a client on, on their final product. Or final oh, position. well, that's a great recommendation. Yeah. Now, I think we've already said the kitchen is the heart of the home and you agreed 100% with me. 
What three recommendations would you make to clients so that they get the best use of the space they have in their kitchen? Bearing in mind, we all spend a lot of time now either entertaining or chatting in kitchens. So what three recommendations? Make it comfortable, make it aesthetic and make it functional. I think these are the three things that pop in my head at the moment. That's short and sweet. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I think we forget about comfort sometimes, don't oh, yeah. we? Sometimes I've, I've, I've had some clients, for example, when it comes to the breakfast bar, the minimum depth should be 300 mil. I've had a client once saying, oh, they don't care. They're happy to have 180 mil depth. But I'm, I was sure they're going to regret that later. I mean, they did it. They're, they're, they're happy with it. But I don't. I just don't think this is very comfortable. Yeah, comfort is very important in the kitchen. Definitely, it's where you eat, and you want to be able to eat in a comfortable manner, don't you? So, would you would you say in that order as well, comfort, aesthetic, and functional, or would you would you turn them around the other way and say comfort, functional, and aesthetic? What what's the most important of those three? Do you know what? I'm not, I I try to keep them on the same level of importance, but if I were to rank them, I would say maybe aesthetic functional and then comfort because they're going to be out and about in restaurants and cafes in brighton and hove anyway aren't they and it's just yeah. better look pretty <laughs> exactly yeah i think an, an aesthetic kitchen is very very important especially mm. when you've got people in the house you know humans are very visual creatures they're dodgy creatures as well unfortunately so if you've got uh, Mr. and Mrs. Jones visiting. Good to have a very nice kitchen. Char, just remind us where we can find you in these wonderful designs that you do. Oh, yeah. Um, so for uh, for my own business, uh, it's www.charboxdesigns.com. Social media, Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, LinkedIn. I don't know, I might be missing something else. But yeah, it's at Charbox Designs. And uh, for kitchens, it's hofkitchens.co.uk. And Instagram is just at hofkitchens. Facebook as well. Thank you so much for joining me again today. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank I could you. talk kitchens all day long, actually. <laughs> You've been listening to Heather Hilda Darling on Let's Talk Property with my guest today, Char Eyed of Charbox Designs.